Welcome to the Shark Pod, the podcast that explores business and lifestyle design in Ireland and beyond. And now, live from Greystone Studios, here are your hosts, Luke Curry and Mark Baker. What is up, Shark Nation? Welcome to another episode of the Shark Pod. It's been a while. We are delighted to be back. I was, you know, I was getting excited pulling on the uh, the Shark Pod T-shirt um, this uh, this evening. Uh, delighted to have our guest out there. Um, it's Emmett Savage of My Wall Street. How are you doing, Emmett? How are you doing, Luke? Delighted to be here. Thanks very much for joining us. Mark Baker's out there as well. He's in his brand new spanking office out there. And uh, where is it? Is it in Leeson Street, Mark? Is it in Dublin? Yeah, on Lisa Street, yeah, we're back back in action. Uh, I didn't wear my shark odd t-shirt into work today, so apologies. <laughs> well, and know, as you can see, I, I wore a tuxedo, so. Yeah, I mean, Emmett <laughs> is looking pretty sharp, and we are ready to roll on this. Um, so th- thanks for all of the, the sharks who reached out to us on Luke at Shark ie uh, to give us a bit of stick for uh, not pu- putting out any content for about two months but we're back we've got a lot uh we've got a lot lined up for you guys so thanks for your patience but let's have a chat to Emmett um me if you've been listening to this uh, podcast for the last year or so you know you kind of sprinkle in a lot of uh, financial literacy stuff you know uh, investing advice or strategy we've had people like uh Michael Houghton from the the fire uh, lifestyle uh side of things we've had uh, people who are ex-researchers at big um at big investment firms uh who came onto the podcast to talk about something else but we just kind of grilled them on what to invest in and stuff like that so we're delighted to have a chat with Emmett today so for those people out there Emmett um who haven't heard of uh, my uh, my wall street how would you describe it to somebody you know for the first time Sure, Mark. So I co-founded My Wall Street with my longtime friend and colleague, John Tyrrell. And we we built the business or when we sat down to design our business, we started with a mission and the mission was to get the world investing successfully. And the way to do that in, today, in today's world is, is through mobile technology. So uh, My Wall Street is principally a mobile app centered business, uh, which teaches people how to invest and guides them on what shares they should actually invest in right through to our very new uh, licensed, uh, SEC licensed business, which is a money management business, which is going to launch in, in the half year or so ahead. Okay, cool. So the first time I ever um, came across my Wall Street was another guest on the on the SharkPod who suggested that we uh, have a look at that uh, live on air. Um, that was Will Mera. Do you know Will Mera? Ever, I don't ever, know actually. So putting me on the spot, who's so, Will? <laughs> so Will Merritt, right? He's this. Uh, he's got, he, one of our best interviews, I think. Uh, well, but best. I don't like to say best, but you know, one that I enjoyed particularly because he was on a beach in Mexico with palm trees and all. You know, he was kind of living a good, a good, pretty good lifestyle. Uh, he's the guy who um, who started a Bingo Loco. It's a it's a, a very successful uh, kind of brand that does parties all over the world. I think they do have like seventy locations all over the world and. He's based in uh, in Ireland. He owns a couple of pubs in Dublin, and you know he's a young guy. And it's a my point was he said that he's loving the uh, the app. He's a, a premium uh, subscriber, and he said that you know it's uh, it's really got him into investing. And I think people like him, who are you know tech savvy, who are younger, uh, who have uh, disposable income, or, or you know as a as a good earner, but not yeah you know 
financial background really um, i think it's perfect for them when i think of my day like when i started my career in davy stockbrokers i don't know if uh, if will is getting into their net <laughs> you know like i don't think they're even they know mm-hmm. he exists you know so yeah is that the type of people that were you're trying to attract to the business what's the who's who's this uh who's this product for well, the product is for anybody who is, I suppose, privileged enough to end the month with a few euro or dollars more than they need. Really, stock investing or any investing is the preserve of the privileged. And, and it's not something that I walk around thinking, well, investing is for everyone. I, I'm absolutely fully conscious of the fact that that's a very privileged thing to say. And, and that kind of check your privilege <laughs> it's, uh, um, idiom that you hear around is something I'm very conscious of. But we are after anyone who has a curiosity about, about making their future self more prosperous. And that doesn't, so we don't really define it by age. Now, as it happens, there's about 4 million users of our app around the world. So we have a pretty tight uh, beam width on who actually is using our product, which is not to be confused with who we want to to use our product. Um, So typically at the moment in the My Wall Street universe, we find that the average user at the center of the bell curve is a 30 something year old person who has a full-time permanent job. Um, Very often they're reasonably well-educated and they are, as as someone of that age profile, will join a gym to make sure their future self is healthier, fitter, stronger. They're with us because they wish for their future self to be more prosperous, wealthier, and I suppose better educated as well, because the investment journey or the journey of investing is as much about building your own understanding of the world as it is about the stocks or the assets that you're buying. And I think anyone who's a seasoned investor will say that there are two principal benefits. One is the aggregation or the creation of, of prosperity that otherwise you might not have had. And the second benefit is your brain is getting bigger. You're understanding pockets of the world that you would have otherwise ignored. It's such a powerful thing. And I think that, like, I don't know if it's what it's like in other countries, but I know growing up in Ireland, it wasn't really front and center in the first 10 years no way. of my career, really. And it took a long time for me to even like pull the trigger on, uh, you know, and getting involved and putting a, a plan in place. Um, uh, for years, I was kind of trying to figure things out and stuff like that. So it's great to have those kind of guardrails there, a little uh, education, like you said. Um, and is that mm. what they get with the with the with the app? Is it more kind of information research, um, guidance on what you guys think would be uh, a good uh, an effective strategy? Is that kind of what's on offer? Well, you, you could think of uh, our business as three concentric circles, and the first is purely focused on education because education should by right be available to anyone and everyone and there should be no speed bumps or barriers to someone being educated Uh, it is the most empowering and powerful thing that you can do which is teach somebody something no matter what if you teach somebody something you have touched their life if it's a meaningful thing so like teaching is, is a wonderful, wonderful thing. I have such admiration for those people who have made their career. I love teachers. I love college lecturers. I love professors. I love explainers. I love people who just want to impart what they know. It is so powerful. And I um, 
uh, started, I suppose, and to, to just to rewind a little bit, uh, Luke, as I take a very long-winded answer to your question, uh, I, uh, I got involved in stock investing when I was very young, and it was extremely, inordinately rare in Ireland to find somebody who was interested in stock investing in the early 90s. And uh, I, as I've probably explained too many times in too many other podcasts, I won't labour here, I, I, I have no siblings, my dad taught me what stock investing meant. And frankly, an awful lot of what he taught me was wrong, but the kernel of uh, what he taught me was absolutely right, which is when you buy a share in a business, you own a part of that business and you can buy shares in any business that's listed on a stock exchange, which is effectively a supermarket for shares. And those like those tiny little lessons, they just stuck because anything can be explained eloquently and beautifully and succinctly, anything at all. The history of the world could be explained in two minutes flat. Of course, we can dive in to any level of detail, but anything can be explained. And one of the great privileges of being a parent is that you are forced to reduce complex things all the time to bite-sized pieces of information that anyone can understand and listen to, uh, and and that your son or daughter or, or, or children can basically listen and understand complex concepts. We do it as adults all the time. So I got my interest in stock investment from my dad and and I started a blog in, in DCU when I was studying physics from 92 to 96. And that was really weird because firstly, there were no blogs, let alone I was gonna say. bloggers. It was <laughs> that in its own right is weird. <laughs> and the fact that I was blogging on the, the subject of stock investing was even rarer because firstly, I was studying science. I wasn't studying business, economics, accountancy, uh, entrepreneurism. I wasn't discussing, uh, sorry, I wasn't um, studying any of the things that you would think are aligned with someone who's interested in stock investing. And what really I was doing was expressing my true passion. Like it was odd at the time, but now it makes perfect sense that I was blogging about stock market. And, and a lot of what I said was complete baloney. I, I was learning on the job, but through teaching, you learn. Fast forward a good few years, um, 10, 12 years later, and it was fairly well known to anyone who knew me that I had a couple of passions and one of them was stock investing. And, and I put an ad, my, my, my John Thurl, the co-founder of my Wall Street and I, um, always had a complementary skill set where he's an engineer and as I said I, I studied science and and we but we our brains are wired in highly complementary ways and when I'm which on we together are more effective. And we put an ad in the paper, uh, the Irish Times and Engineers Journal, and it's like, if you want to learn everything you need to know to be a successful stock investor, come to Beauty's Hotel of Ballsbridge and bring a check for 200 euro. <laughs> and if you don't like it, don't pay. And we filled the room. We taught people how to invest in the stock market. We took the proceeds that were in the box at the end of the room at the end of the day and gave the whole lot to uh, the humanitarian organization Gold because we didn't want to be seen as, you know, profiteering from our community's pocket. We had this Irish guilt about, if you like, making money. Yeah. And uh, so every single penny of profit after we paid the hotel and the, the literature we'd given out went straight over to Gold. We didn't, we didn't promote the product based on that, but that was just a reality of how we operated. So uh, we learned how to teach and the we in this instance was me because I was the one at the top of the class. And um, we, we, uh, and we found a massive 
appetite for more. We only put one ad in those papers and it led to more and more and more word of mouth referrals. And then 2008 came along and uh, the financial uh, crisis came along and the appetite for anything and everything dried up. And um, as you guys well know, the Irish banking system was in essence bankrupt and and uh, so too were the public's interest, was the public's interest in stock investing. But what John and I had found was John comes from a long line of teachers, actually. He booked a trend. I think both his parents and his siblings uh, all are, are teachers. So teaching was in his DNA and well, less so mine, but I really do love teaching. I absolutely love it. So one of the things, the, so to, back to those three concentric circles, we, we time went by, we, we um, this passion for unlocking people's potential was was clear and our ability to deliver on it was easy was it was available to us so we said right let's build an app let's start a business and build an app that creates no barriers to learning how to invest we are going to build an app that is going to be so beautiful you were just going to want to use it we are going to get the best academic brains to teach us how to impart education through an app because it was at, when we when we launched the app quite an unusual medium to teach um and we are going to appify that course we did in balls bridge and now today our learn app by my wall street we have never charged for it we have never even asked for your email we there are zero zero speed bumps like even when you ask somebody for an email to go a bit further they pause and very often yeah. close it uh, we we experimented with things we thought well maybe we charge a dollar because you got to make money when you're in a business, um, but no, we we kept it free. Uh, Apple ranked it number one in I think about 112 countries for stock education. Wow. It has three, maybe 3.5 million people have consumed the entire product, which is quite impressive because it's the size of like one of the small Harry Potter books in an app. Really? Like you know, okay. to consume so, that amount of information yeah. from an app is pretty pretty like if you if you don't mind me saying so <laughs> impressive um, and it's ranked you know from tens of thousands of reviews around the world it's ranked 4.99 out of five from wow. uh, i think about fifty-five thousand aggregate reviews so far so so it's kind of you know we did something that we were very proud of so that was the first product teach give everything you know away because i just think it is humanity's right to learn whatever they wish without having to go to some elitist um, rubbish, claptrap, expensive product. So that was our, our learning product, product one. So that's for the, the people who are just academically curious. And an awful lot of people who learn how to do something never wish to like move forward with it. Like you might download Duolingo and decide you want to learn Klingon, but you're not going to go out to Star Trek you know, yeah. or, or <laughs> out of space with yeah. Star Trek. You're not going to practically apply it. Like there's many people who learn anything, sign up for masterclass and watch Gordon Ramsay cook or prepare foie grand. They don't really care to do it themselves, but there are those who just want to learn. And that is, I think, a human's prerogative and should be available to all. Second product. So they're the people who want to learn. Then there's those who are DIY. They want to do it themselves. And this is concentric circle number two. These are people who... Um, want to master their own investments and want to control and make their own decisions because it is a fact that nobody cares about your own 
financial situation more than you. Unless, of course, you come from a hyper-wealthy family and there's trust set up for you by your great-grandfather or whatever, but that's a different category. But nobody cares more about your financial health than you, just as nobody cares more about your physical health than you, or at least nobody should care more about either of those things than you. So the second product we developed was for the DIYers who want to learn, sorry, who want to take control of their own stock investments and buy shares. And this was where this product development curve that John and I and now our growing team got on. It was more complex because in an app, we wanted to combine oil and water, which is advice and execution. Execution is a broker. And a broker is a utility. A broker will, the, the analogy that, that I play in my mind is that if you get unwell, there's two parties generally. There's a doctor and there's a pharmacist or a drugstore, as it's known in America. And you go to the doctor and you point at your toe and she says, I know what that is. It's a such and such. And you got to go get this tablet. And you walk into the pharmacist and a pharmacist's job is to execute on that trade, give you that drug. Once it's signed off by a doctor, no questions are asked. The pharmacist will hand you exactly what you've presented them with. And that's like a stockbroker. They don't ask if you've got the money and you want to buy a million shares in Acme Bricks and it's they have a view. They don't care. They'll go and buy. You know yourself, Luke, having worked in, in Davy, that yeah. is the role of a broker. And so that utilitarian need was there. But on the other side, if you call it the doctor side, the wisdom, there was no app out there. There was no product out there. Sorry, to heck with apps. That's just the delivery mechanism. But there was no product out there that brought wisdom together with utility. And we said, we're going to build that. So we... John and I went and we, we met the founder of Robin Hood and we had the founders of other brokers, but we landed in New Jersey uh, with the founders of Drivewealth, who are a broker, a B2B brokerage, a business-to-business brokerage firm. And we, we sat with the founder and his son and his team, and we were their first client. Uh, like Drivewealth, they're the back-end broker of Revolut Square, My Wall Street, and a host of other brokers where uh, uh, products where the brokerage is invisible, invisible because what Drivewealth saw was this is a utility. A relationship with your broker, sure, for all the legal reasons is important, but it's not like you're going to go lie back in the couch and just, you know, look at your brokerage account. Yeah, you'll check it, but you won't use it as recreation. So they kind of copped that and twigged it. And, and uh, we, we integrated Drivewealth uh, brokerage capability into the My Wall Street app. And what we did was we, we codified our market-beating method of beating the average returns. And that is the absolute epicenter of what my Wall Street does. We have developed six golden rules of investing, which um, I can run through fast or slow or not mention at all if you wish. And if you adhere to these rules and play out for the long term, you will beat the market. You will you will create generational wealth. And so we brought together some really, really gifted um, analysts headed by my colleague Rory Karen, who's our chief analyst and an incredible thinker, and anyone who's familiar with our podcast and anyone who's familiar with um, my Wall Street will know that we differentiate by making sure we are constantly explaining in a jargon-free way, which is a cousin of education. So we brought together the second product, second concentric circle, the ability to recommend and to buy, and that's oil and water in the world of 
of stock investing. And then there's the third product set, which is not for the DIYers. There's a whole pile of people who just DFI, do it for me. I don't care. Thanks. I'm glad you like it. I'm glad you know how to explain it. I'm glad you're very clever. You're great. Here's the money. Just do it. So we we built my Wall Street Advisory LLC in American uh, business that's SEC uh, regulated and and that is currently uh, built and empty. We don't have the product launched, but so that that's a very long answer to a short question about what do we do. And hopefully, I have. Uh, hopefully, is that the air? Have we have I used up the whole air? <laughs> I think that's uh, <laughs> a, 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 kind of in a nutshell. No, uh, no, I think that's uh, it was a great answer. And also, really interesting to to see the the scope of the business because. You know, it's it's based in Ireland, but for when you talk about four million uh, downloads and like three and a half million of the people out there have uh, consumed the content around, like the to me, I know you guys are really proud of that, but that's a big impact on people. You probably don't even know what people did with that next. You know, like the, yeah. that, that could have really changed people's financial health going into the future. That's something that you know, it's a. Uh, well, it's true. It's funny because I, I could tell you stories about individuals who invested 10 million on every word we said. If we said we like ABC Co, or Co we, we, they would invest 10 million. And that's huge tickets. And clearly that is not your average person by a long stretch. That's one extreme end of our audience. But then at the other extreme end, we take far more pride. There's no question about it. And and. Uh, I'm sure anyone who's, if there is anyone who listens to everything I say, will will recall the story about a, a young woman in, in the Philippines who contacted my co-founder, John, and she came from very, very profoundly humble beginnings and told John that she waited to use her smartphone on the bus where there was free Wi-Fi and she used our Learn app and invested $5. And the pride that he and I felt when she told us that we had goosebumps. We were like, wow, that's unbelievable. And we know many more stories like that. We've had loads and loads and loads of people very selfless, selflessly have come up to us and said, you know, something, we really appreciate this. So we, yes, we are proud of it, but you know, um, you, you, we we're equally out to create a business that, that, I mean, we have a very, 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 big picture in mind. We're out to create a billion successful investors. And as I've said, that's going to take more heartbeats than I've got left. I know that. Like a billion is a big number. I, <laughs> I don't need to tell you, but we are not out to create a business that is, um, uh, you know, hot uh, today are a flash in the pan. We want to build something that's a bigger brand, that has a higher purpose, that endures long, long, long after we're gone. And that the essence of mine and John's and our, our current team's personalities is left in that thing that just gets bigger. Like that's what we're out to do. And you have to think big. I mean, when you start a business, you've got two choices. Very simple. Am I going to build a business to get cash flow positive as quickly as possible to create a nice lifestyle? that will pay me and my my team well and, you know, benefit society? Or are we going for it? And that means you have to burn through cash. You don't wish to, but you will likely burn through cash like a steam train. And that uh, we're on that road. We are on that road because we won't get to a billion people unless we raise and spend. And that's just a simple fact of, of business. Interesting way to look at a business as well in, in the long term. And I, I think you mentioned as well about when you're teaching kids and you know having the having that kind of mindset as well i think that when i when I, we became parents me and mark um it, we we talked about how the the kind of the time horizon really stretches out 
for the very first time beyond, like you said, when you have any heartbeats and you start thinking, okay, even if I'm not here, this is going to continue. Mm-hmm. And it's it's like a, it's a hard thing to explain. Um, but definitely it's when I started to invest more, when I started to think of like things a little bit more long term. So if you can reach a, a billion people like that, at some stage, even if uh, you're you've taken the quantum leap at that stage, uh, you know it's a, a good goal, goal to have. Um, but look on that point, and sorry to interrupt, but uh, becoming a parent or a guardian or an auntie or uncle or godparent or whatever, uh, having a junior in your life that you have some duty of care over and yeah. responsibility is is a real privilege, obviously. But when you buy shares for somebody who's five, you become a fund manager and you think and act differently than you would for yourself because your fears are allayed by the fact that this little person has 20 or 30 or 40 more years than you have and implicitly you understand that their runway is way longer than yours and consequently you can apply a higher appetite for risk and that is really empowering to buy shares for your a child or the child over which you're a guardian or whatever it is yeah. is it something really wonderful because you are liberating yourself it's and it's something that i have experienced personally as well because i've set up a, a savings account uh you know like an investment account um for, for my son who's a baby and when i do the math on what that can be in 25 years and he'll only be 25 then it's so exciting you know um yeah and then i'll be whatever age and you know, hopefully still going, but that's whatever happens, that's going to keep um, compounding, you know, yeah. up to that. So it's just a, it's really interesting thought um, with the business. And when you mentioned that you're, you're thinking big and um, we went to the States and you met the, all of these, uh, these other founders and um, you've got the a business there that's uh, SEC uh, regulated, all that, all that stuff. Was that always the intention from the beginning or was there a, when you first started the business, was it kind of, Ireland, Europe, kind of centric, or are we always kind of looking at the States? Do you know something? <laughs> I can't remember. Like when we when we did our first business plan, I, I I know the words we wrote. I mean, we said we're going to create a product. Well, actually, funny, no, sorry. Our very, very first idea was it was a kernel from the book One Up on Wall Street by Peter Lynch, who said that the greatest investors that he has known in his life were all women. And and John had a chat with Charles Schwab, uh, my co-founder the, had a chat with a with the founder of a giant brokerage firm in the US. And and Schwab said to John that um that on their database, which was uh oh god, it was like eight million brokerage accounts, I think. Uh, 20% of the of the accounts they had were female and as a cohort as a as a subset they were outperforming men and that was quite uh that was revolutionary for me because I know Peter Lynch said it and Peter Lynch is a wonderful investor a legendary investor so I didn't doubt it but to have that level of data supporting the claim made by Peter Lynch JT, John and I looked at each other and said, we should build an app that gets women investing. So we set about and we spent a few weeks in Silicon Valley, had mad crack, I might add. But we uh, we met a lot of uh, the luminaries of investing and, and of the tech world. And we realized, you know, as if we needed to go to Silicon Valley to find out that it's there's there's something just completely wrong about two guys building an app to get 
women investing. So we kind of said, we're going to build a product that's gender neutral, at least just beautiful. Like Apple, uh, I'm sorry to compare us to Apple, but hey, why not? I'm the founder. Um, (laughs) Like Apple didn't say, we're going to build a beautiful phone for women. They just build a beautiful phone. I remember Bic, the pen pen manufacturers made this horrible, ridiculous, preposterous misstep years ago where they invented a biro for women. Like, have you ever heard anything so absolutely dumb? But anyway, we, so John and I said, well, we should be gender neutral. And when you look at the brands out there, whether it's eToro or Plus 500, they are alpha male. They're blue and steam coming out the nose of a bull with horns. And, you know, they definitely are wonderful products. Don't get me wrong. But, you know, so we said, well, at least we're not going to do that. We're going to build a product that just is gender neutral and wonderful and works. And that's and that's uh, my answer to the question, which I've forgotten. <laughs> <laughs> do you think that, uh, so just out of interest, like with the, I've, I've kind of heard that before here and there, that the, like in the long term, sometimes uh, female um, uh, money managers and stuff like that, like the average returns are, uh, can be a bit better. What do you think, what do you put that down to just out of interest? Oh, it's, it's, I tell you, it's, it's a matter of fact. Uh, women have a better temperament for long-term investing. They don't tinker with their investments. They don't react to the latest quarterly reports. They don't bump into their girlfriend who goes, you know, I'm a bit worried about Meta's uh, new thing. It's just, they don't, they are, they have a greater sense of Zen to their investing lives. And, and Schwab said this to John. He said it. He said they don't touch it. Now, a lot of the female-only investors on Schwab's folio, uh, sorry, I mean to say in Schwab's um, um, client base, for good or bad, ended up as sole uh, owners of folios through a divorce or a bereavement for, or, or an inheritance. And that was that's like that's a whole different story. That's an autobiography of the dysfunction of the life of the world we've come through like things shouldn't have been like that everyone should have had equal rights to everything since beginning of time but it wasn't the case and that's where we are but he did say that they don't touch it they don't touch it they they buy and own a product um a stock or an etf and they leave it alone and uh in my wall street one of those golden rules that we advocate and that we are constantly reminding people of is you've got to think long term and in the market we're in at the moment and this is being recorded on the 24th of may 2022 we're in the depths of a it there's a horrible sell-off going on i mean today snap alone has fallen 40 percent pinterest has dropped 27 percent in sympathy like there is there's carnage carnage out there at the minute but thinking long term saying yeah i'll give another 15 years it's quite liberating like i someone said to me recently what are you going to do about tesla and i was like you know what i'm going to do i'm going to give another 20 years see what happens like if you say that every time asks someone asks you about a product more often i mean say a stock more often than right you'll more often than not you'll be right literally going along is the key to unlocking wealth because businesses are absolutely utterly overestimated in the short term and completely underestimated in the long term it's such a liberating thing to be able to say to people like people say that all the time in in hubspot a lot of people that have been there a long time own quite a lot of the stock it's been part of the saving program and everything and people like so obviously things at last six months it's been a, a tough a tough uh slide but so many people have sold now and 
I was, I was just thinking to myself, like, I didn't sell when it was, you know, double this. Why mm. would it, it's it's not. I think the long, like, the, a ten year play here, I, it's going to be. It it could be a ten x business, and I had units in this business. How can I justify letting them go during this crazy time? Do you know, like, yeah, yeah. I think the fundamentals of the business are super strong, and I, I believe in the product, the people there, and everything. So it's. If you can say, I've said it to a few people. Say, I've I was never sell this year anyway. That wasn't the plan. So the price doesn't really yeah. matter to me today. Yeah. You know, it hurts yeah. a little bit when I look at the red. You know, yeah. I, I mean, you know, you're walking through life and you're going through the seasons, and it's not always easy. Like there's this instantly uh, liquidatable asset staring at you, and if you've lost your job or you've had an unexpected expense or there's something coming at you where you need to get hands on cash, very often you are stripped of the privilege of saying, I'll give another 20 years. I'm totally aware of that. But um, if you have that, if you can buy something and then treat it, a a brain hack that I've had since my youngest, youngest investment days is just pretend I don't have it. It's almost a fictitious thing I look at. Yeah. I think that's the... What are the... Sorry, Luca. No, Mark, go ahead. I was going to say, what are the other golden golden rules? Well, the, the first rule is very simple because it's distinct. You only have to do it once and that's get started. So, you know, it's a, you can think about taking up tennis or your first time to study when you're in college, <clears throat> excuse me, or anything like that. But everyone knows once you get started, something happens in your head. You know, you're no longer have to do it. You're doing it. So, Getting started is the first golden rule, and and it sounds very silly, but just, you have to. Just out out of interest, in an ideal world, what what would be the youngest age you you would recommend somebody get started? Because I think you choose the nature of compounding. Obviously, mm-hmm. the younger the better. But you know what are what are some of the the young ages you've seen, and what would you recommend? Well, truthfully, I think that when a child comes home from the maternity hospital, the parents are going to do that child a great service if they open a brokerage account for it as soon as possible. Now, as it happens, uh, you you will likely to do that in your own name and hand it over to them when they're 18. And that brings a tax conversation, but let's not go there. But in reality, you can really only open a brokerage account with convenience from the age of 18. But I do believe a guardian or parent should do so from the minute that that child comes into their life because time is the absolute, unquestionable, mathematical, <laughs> theoretical, practical way of ensuring you create wealth. It's the number one ingredient to differentiate. Um, average returns for a very long time are way better than outstanding returns for a short time. So uh, getting started as soon as possible. We, uh, well, our broker partner, DriveWealth, um, doesn't open broker brokerage accounts before the age of 18. Uh, I don't know who does. Well, I do. I know one or two, but uh, I won't go there. But I do think you should, one should just, you know, choose a kid you love and buy them a share in Disney. And then they're an investor. They own a brand that you can be fairly certain is going to be around for the rest of their days, let alone your days. It's it's virtually unstoppable business. It's perfectly aligned with buying a kid a present and, and they are stock investor. And you can start to tell that child about that. You know, when can I ask you another question? Why, why do you think that um, 
children or let's just say teenagers, people in secondary school aren't taught about investing. Do you think there's a particular conspiracy or do you think, it, why do you think they're not no. taught? Or- I don't think there's a conspiracy. No, not at all. I do think here in Ireland, culturally stock investing was just, it was never part of the conversation. Really, when you think of the history of the country, it's not shocking that it hasn't gone into the curriculum. Um, I think investing is, you know, very, very few people from Ireland, my own families uh, included, came from any prosperity or privilege. So it just didn't. And But there's another factor as well, which we found with real data, which is that a financial awakening an awareness of your financial self really doesn't begin until your late 20s for most people. Now, there are those exceptions, and those exceptions usually are formed by something in the home, like my son, who is now 16, uh, started picking stocks when he was six, and he is the best stock investor anyone will ever meet. But that's another story. Like, he's literally unbelievable. But that's, uh, I guess, yeah, I guess I thought, get him on. Uh, yeah. you know, but um, no, yeah, I, I decided, I said, here, you, you're, you're coming into my Wall Street, but his mom had something to say about it. So that's another story. But um, so we have, um, um, so we have two things. We have a, an education system that evolved and stock investing still really isn't that hot a topic that you need to bring it into a curriculum that already needs more, uh, I suppose, additions and new layers of more modern things. And then you have the fact that brains just don't go there really. Yeah. I don't know about uh, my, my perception is that young men, I, my, both my kids are males. So that's why I'm, I'm choosing men. Young men start to think about going to the gym when they're in their teens, they become body aware, but your average young man doesn't really think about stock investing for another 10 years. So they're the two reasons. I but if, but if but it, adults, adults are, are the teachers in this regard, why aren't they looking out for the best interests of young adults when they're 18, that they're ready uh, to, to go? You know? Oh, amen, brother. I mean, you're preaching to the converted. And mm. I have, so I'm not saying I think it's right. I'm only explaining mm. why I think we're at this point. And, and if, uh, you know, the Minister for Education is listening to your podcast, I'll happily meet, meet them to, mm. to, to uh, impress and upon them the importance of this subject. I think Mark as well. It really is. It is really, really important. In fact, I was due to meet the Minister for Education in Ireland a couple of years ago, um, and then lo and behold, the crisis hit, and that meeting was postponed. But uh, it is something very close to my heart. Um, and I, I really, I have on the rarest of occasion gone into schools and spoken to the kids. And again, it's like when you explain things in a nice way, there's instant connection. There's instant connection. If you say to a bunch of students, whether they're five or 15, you know, you can own one of the bricks in Disney's castle, or you can decide you're going to buy shares in, in Elon Musk's car company. Like there is, it, it provokes uh, an excitement. And, and when you're teaching, and when, when I was in college and I used to teach, you know, guitar, uh, now I need a teacher, but that's another story. You have to start by teaching a student a song they like. The first song you learn has to be a song you like, or you won't stick with it because that fire isn't ignited. And the same goes for stock investing. I really believe that the first share you should buy is a business that excites you. I don't, probably it's highly unlikely it will be one of your better investments, but it needs to be one that you're like, I want to go the journey with this. I want to see 
Disney for the rest of my life in my folio. And I think there's a good connection. And that's anyway, I'm drifting here. But yes, if I was in a school or if we we're developing a curriculum, honestly, it would be it's a great thing, but we just need to make sure that students understand the importance that this is not a get rich quick scheme. This is a get exactly. wealthy, slow scheme. Really it, the it, most it, important. It encourages delayed gratification. And I don't know if you've yeah. recognized with your kids, I got my kids are seven and 10. There's a severe lack of delayed gratification. Everything they watch they, they won't even watch movies sometimes now because YouTube will give them a dopamine hit, bang, bang, bang. Yeah. So I just think, if anything, it will encourage that. You know. Do you know how many... So uh, TikTok has one billion daily active users, one billion mm. daily active users, who each consume on average 19.6 hours of video per month. That's 4,700 videos per average daily active user. Mm. Per month 4700 videos per month that's insane that's insane like but here's the thing though it's not that the human propensity for information consumption has changed we just want it parsed what we need is we've the same bandwidth and maybe your our great grandparents would sit down and read a paper but what's happening is the same amount of time is now being parsed into thousands of time slots and and it's literally more 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 and when if you've encountered tiktok we all know it just gets to the point immediately and yeah. it just keeps doing it it's it's almost yeah. too much for, it's too much input for me it's too uh, for I, it's not but like i think it's amazing how how successful it is and it's I do. I think we do. We're all kind of addicted to new information now. A little bit. I find. I can't even go for a walk without earphones. I'm like, this is a waste of time. I could be listening to something. I could be learning something. What, what am I yeah. doing? Walking around. But that's what humans are supposed to do. <laughs> it's not like it's supposed yeah. to be all the time. But um, I think as well to when Mark was saying, why don't they do this type of thing a little bit earlier? I do think. I, I don't know about you guys, but when I left college uh, and I got my first job and I got an apartment. I didn't have so much excess cash, you know, every month we were kind of, you know, there's a lot of kind of beans on toast towards the end of the month for our first mm. year or so, you know? So I think priorities as you get into your twenties, maybe you do have a little bit more stability. Uh, and then in your thirties, obviously you start thinking about the next generation already. So there's only, yeah. you barely have that yeah. money time. It goes from just <laughs> focusing on yourself that, okay, I better get this, uh, this sorted out. Um, so, so you mentioned the, that you uh, want to be a billion uh, help a billion people invest like do you see the 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 next iteration of the business where it's kind of a, a done for me kind of a i guess like it's on autopilot is that the the view of that business where mm, it kind of drips maybe in? maybe um we're not there yet i mean there's there's businesses that do that already acorns has this nice neat product with a whole bunch three etfs i think it is designed by Bob Schiller, who won the economic prize for, I don't know, Nobel Prize for economics. Um, and you decide, you tell them what your risk propensity is, and it goes into one of three ETFs designed by Bob Schiller, and, and it rounds up your change. So if you're paying for something that's nine bucks, it rolls it up to a tenner and invest a change. So that's been done. And then there's Betterment, and there's a whole pile of products that have thought of angles, but we have our eyes squarely set on something that is revolutionary. Um, but it's not just switch it on there next week. JT, there's an awful lot of wiring going on in the background, but we haven't discussed it with anyone beyond ourselves and a handful of 
uh, I suppose, experts in New York. And um, uh, but yeah, to get a billion people investing successfully, as I said, takes a lot of heartbeats and time. And but it also takes a fairly big worldview of what, in fact, investing is. And we're now, even since we founded the business, we're we're now in an ocean. There's so there's six thousand six hundred and seventy listed businesses in the stock exchanges in America. There's about nineteen thousand three hundred cryptos out there at the minute, uh, of which I reckon nine eighteen thousand eight hundred and ninety of them will end up on the pyre. Frankly, but that's that's another podcast for an expert but i think there's a lot of rubbish out there but the fact is the availability what does investing mean you can buy art you can buy crypto you can buy nft you can buy stocks you can buy a horse you can buy a classic car you can buy a collectible electric guitar i mean investing means different things to different people and um whether it is a square of land in the middle of roscommon or a stake in open door stock, you know, uh, it's all valid investment. So a day will come where my Wall Street widens, widens the top of the funnel. We start and will continue for a while with what we know very well, but there will come a day where we look at other assets and figure they have different profiles. I'm not saying a pile of lumber yard and Latvia might be one of the best investments uh, in the world today, we just don't know. I have no idea. But to get the world investing su- successfully is a, is a an equation that involves education and bringing together a quality investment instrument with that person's interests and the interests that we've identified right now are stocks. It's a, I like the idea that you can kind of broaden the investment pool uh, and different things could add to that because I've I thought about that. I think I told Mark as well one day. I was looking on Daft and there was this beautiful piece of land in Connemara I'm like I don't know what I do with it but I'm sure that's going to be worth more in the future with the views and everything I don't, I don't think you can even build anything on it yet but maybe that might yeah. change do you know yeah, uh, yeah. so I thought about those yeah. types of things I often run uh, ideas by Mark to see uh, for sanity checks which you could put out you could have um, a kind of a, a gig or a big festival there have we a festival come up there. with a catchy name shark fest shark fest shark fest oh, there you go entrepreneurs yeah it's the, fi- the fire the of Connemara. <laughs> <laughs> Damp entrepreneurs uh, for the win. That's cool. Um, so it just, I know we're running out of time here. What was one more of these golden rules that you think that the, the Shark Nation out there needs to have if they're putting together a... a well, I'll, I'll tell you what the six of them are in fast forward. And Go if you want it. me to stop by on one, I will. So get started. We discussed thinking long term. We discussed never borrow money to buy anything that's an investment with the exception of your home, which is a functioning asset. Uh, the fourth golden rule is diversify. Uh, you will get quite a few wrong, but the ones that you get right will more, more, more than adequately reward you for the ones you got wrong. Uh, the fifth of our sixth golden rule is buy what you believe in, which we touched upon. And you should not own something you don't believe in. And, and that is just skews with your inner voice. And then the sixth, uh, golden rule is invest what you can when you can which is we are on a long 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 term journey here don't feel pressure because the market's on sale today to feel you have to go out and sell the farm to buy shares um just do a little often and over the course of your life you're going to create wealth that will be there for future generations of years to come that, that last one's very important i think especially in these days uh the way uh, the way the stock market is right now, it seems like there's a lot of value out there. Um, but it is, it's from a just from a psychology point of view, 
it is funny how people the the panic like if you look at this really objectively and if you are thinking long term there is going to be opportunities to buy stuff that you would buy at a very you know a higher price do you know and oh absolutely like you know um, well, uh, so I, I, you know what, I'm going to give a shameless plug to one of the products that we have, and it's called Horizon. And Horizon is a, a real life portfolio uh, of mine, my family stock portfolio. And um, so I, I have been investing, as I mentioned, for a very long time, um, and a reasonable track history. Um, so my compounded annual growth rate for Oh, is it 20 something years? I'll have to put the letter up. I got it audited and reviewed, but anyway, is is 24.5%. So my that's my CAGR. And um I have a folio called Horizon, a product called Horizon. And I launched it in December 2019. And the ambition was we're going to 10x, I'm going to 10x this money in 12 years, which is the continuation of the compounded annual growth rate that I've enjoyed for quarter of a century and then it grew 100% then we have had this absolute incineration and currently the folio the horizon portfolio is down 45% which is ugly and it hurts for someone who has subscribed but I have never been more comfortable and more confident in buying shares as I am now and uh, we just by the way so horizon has just gone on sale 30% off uh just for a week or so and if you don't mind lads do you mind if I put a link underneath your podcast 100%. for subscription i'll put it in for the, your members. the show notes as well as uh yeah uh, any of the social stuff to push out so so when is this going live fellas sorry to ask you why we're live on air when are you putting this up on your asap on probably tomorrow i think we need to get right this good out. i'll tell you why i say that because tomorrow i'm going to pitch a stock in horizon tomorrow is thursday 25th of may uh, I'm going to pitch stock on Horizon, which to me is analogous to walking into a room, seeing a pile of money on the ground with an arrow saying, help yourself, and people walking out. <laughs> like, it's, it's got the most insane return on equity out there. I mean, I did a filter on, on the market of the 6,600-plus companies out there. It is in the most elite financial profile of businesses, and it's been ignored. I don't. There's no, no one covering it. And I just think, well, there you go. Just if you subscribe to Horizon and buy that stock, come back to me in 10 years if you had, haven't made very significant returns. Okay, you can't beat that offer uh, on the, <laughs> on the, the sharp part. We do have one offer for you, Emmett, for coming along and uh, having a chat with us today about the business, about investing, about the uh, the long-term vision of, of the future. Um, would you prefer a shark pod mug or a T-shirt? <laughs> Oh, brilliant. I'll wear the t-shirt so people can see your brand. I would love that. Thank you very much. Okay, so that's, that's uh, very cool. I have to say, I loved the branding when I went to the um, to podcast. Yeah, very cool. You I know, designed that by cool. hand, Emmett. So actually... Did you, Mark? You did, yeah. yeah. That is impressive. That's he, uh, very impressive. You know, wow. we, we got a lot cool. of merch before we recorded the first podcast as well. So we kind of merched. You know, it was probably a bad investment at the time, but we've gone through uh, all of the uh, the backlog now, so it's all good. So, Emmett, thanks very much for joining us. We're going to put that uh, offer in the the show notes, um, and I can't wait to get to this big pile of money. I'll be there tomorrow. <laughs> all right. Good. All right. I'll thank see you. you there, Luke and Mark. Thank you so much for interviewing me uh, this evening. I really enjoyed our chat. All right. Thanks. Great stuff. Thanks, Emmett.